Good morning to all of my podcast people. Currently, it is 10.30 a.m., and I am recording this podcast in Newburyport, Massachusetts. I hope everyone is healthy and safe during these crazy times. Today, I have a bit of a special episode for my podcast. I will be interviewing a local doctor, Dr. Kai Feek. Dr. Kai Feek was rated one of the top 2020 doctors in the North Shore magazine. A few days ago, I sent out a message to the community if people had questions relating to COVID-19, most specifically the medical side to it. I will be asking Dr. Kai Feek these questions and he will give me responses. Then I will give these responses through my podcast to the community. I would first like to start by asking, how are you guys managing this in your practice? All right, so we we essentially will call every single patient on the schedule a day in advance and find out what the issue is. Mm-hmm. And if somebody is somewhat suspicious for COVID, in other words, they might have traveled or they have symptoms that could be COVID, we'll, we'll, we'll try not to have them come physically to our office, you know, like, and... Uh, and I'll get into that later, what we would do with patients like that. But if somebody has other things that are routine, they'll try to reschedule them or we address them over the phone rather to avoid them having to come in to be possibly exposed. And um, if it's somebody who needs to be seen, abdominal pain, chest pain, you name it, then we'll obviously still see them. We have the office locked up front that nobody just randomly walks in. So they have to call first before we can let them in. Mm-hmm. The idea is, you know, like like we, we try to not get anybody exposing us and exposing themselves possibly to other patients who could possibly be obviously very contagious for that disease. Right. So we have to pick those patients as best as we can. And if somebody has suspicious symptoms for COVID, and I have patients in my practice who have this already, and I have patients, many who are under observation, mm. um, the ultimate decision is COVID-19 is typically not serious for the majority of patients, you, your parents, most patients. It's more dangerous generally for the elderly, for patients who are weak, who are sick, who have cancer, who have a suppressed immune system for other reasons, who might be on medications that poses a larger risk to suppress the immune system, you know, like, for instance, like steroids or something like that. Yeah. And um, and these patients we have to obviously be very careful about. Most patients who even have COVID, they can just perfectly stay home, isolate themselves for a few weeks, and uh, they'll be fine. And, and that's the good news about this disease. And we can get into that a little later. So another question that I got from a bunch of people, I'd say five or 10 people asked me, how long do you predict we will be in self-quarantine uh, until? Well, it's only one man's opinion. Yes. <laughs> and I'm going by, only can we can go by what, essentially the only real good reliable data we have is China. Mm-hmm. And that, you have to always take a little bit with a grain of salt, you know. But even despite that, we knew had a pretty good idea when this was at the peak of it in January and February in China. We still had a pretty good idea. They were, they could not hide that for the most part. You know, we knew the hot spots and especially around Wuhan. And mm-hmm. we know that now three months into this now, they still have not normalized life in China, especially in the hot spots. In other words, um, I certainly believe we are not going to 
be able to reopen this by Easter, which is mid-April. Right. And the governor just moved the school openings tentatively for early May. So I would say we, I think my opinion is we certainly definitely have to exactly do the same thing we have been doing now, at least for the entire month of April. And it is also possible, obviously, that America is a big country that really state by state, as you already see, that there are regional differences in terms of what needs to happen in different states right. uh, and in different regions. So talking about Massachusetts here right now, I think we will probably hit a surge similar to what we have seen in New York now in the next few weeks. Right. The question then is obviously, are the levies going to break or are we able to hold it up? You know, like, And that determines a lot also on how bad this could get in any particular area. Right. You know, what you see right now in Italy is far different what you see, or what you see now in Spain is far different from what you see, for instance, at least to this point, for instance, in Germany or in Scandinavia. But that's also could have to do a little bit with the timeline of things, how this spread over a particular continent. Um, and, you know, like they're bracing right now in England, you know, like in England, they felt, oh, that's not so bad. And they kind of did pretty much relatively, they were pretty loose with their regulations until just a few day ago, days ago when they started to panic because they saw that this probably was not a good idea to keep the pubs open until last week and so forth. Um, England is very vulnerable towards this because the in England, the, the, the amount of intensive care beds in hospital is about six per 100,000. In mm -hmm. Italy, it's 12. In Germany and the US, it's about 30. So you can see that when a country is being overrun by this with heavy, heavy amounts of cases, that their hospital system gets pretty easily overrun. Yeah. So I'm worried about that. Um, how that will affect us again? Your answer, yeah, I think we certainly will have to do everything the same way or even intensify it for the next four weeks and then reassess. What are the overall most common symptoms of coronavirus and are any uh, most dangerous? Well, it's, it's a, the coronavirus is like a cold virus. A cold virus is a form of a coronavirus mm -hmm. and it's just a new specific coronavirus that has evolved now. And that's why this is so difficult. But the symptoms are very hard to distinguish from any colds or any even the flu or things we see every winter. Essentially, most people would start having a scratchy throat, a sore mm. throat, a dry cough, fatigue. Uh, they start having fevers, chills. And then obviously when situations worsen for that smaller percentage of patients, um, they think anywhere between 10 and 20% of patients, they start developing pneumonia, which means they not just have a cough, they really start becoming real short of breath, you know, like, and they get high fevers and the fevers don't break. And oftentimes they feel better for a day or two, thinks they're through it, and then all of a sudden it hits them again. And they would sort of deteriorate often sort of every two or three days, and that leads them end up being in the hospital. So essentially it starts like a common cold. For some people, even like having seasonal allergies where they just have a mild scratchy throat and some cough or congestion. And that's the tricky thing about this. Kids like, uh, you know, sorry, you're not a kid anymore, but young people like yourself, yeah. you might have now symptoms, barely any. You might have a little, you think you might have allergies. You might think you would just have a little sore throat or a little cough for a few days, if at all. And uh, 
that's the danger about this, you know, like, and so since many patients have minimal or little or sometimes even no symptoms, they still have the disease in them. And actually, then they can give it to somebody who, who could get very sick from it. So, but the real serious symptoms that get patients in trouble are really symptoms of pneumonia. And the danger about this is it's not necessarily just the pneumonia when your lung is infected. The autoimmune, so the body's immune system creates, tries to fight this. And sometimes it creates a very exaggerated response to it. And essentially your own body's immune system starts getting you so inflamed that it causes more damage than, than it does you any good. Okay. So the problem is when people are sick, they end up in the hospital and then they end up can't breathing on their own. They get oxygen and then they sometimes they can't even do that. So they need to be put on a breathing machine. That's I'm sure you've seen that. Yep. You've seen the whole idea about what ventilators are. Oh, ventilators yeah. are machines that do the breathing for you. You get a tube in your mouth, like when you have surgery. And essentially the machine takes care of the breathing to push the, uh, the, the oxygen into your lungs. So my next question relates to... Um kind of like a little bit like you said earlier, the flu and the coronavirus, but what makes them so, like, so different? And why is the coronavirus considered to be more severe? It is more severe because it is more contagious than a regular flu. Uh, it has a much higher mortality rate. In other words, more people get very ill from it mm. and can die from it. And naturally, there is no known treatment for it because it's a new virus. You know, it's nothing that has been there before because it has mutated new this winter. And there's also no vaccinations for it. And it comes, it hits you like a train, like it hits certain regions like a bullet train, like a speed train. You know, like when you talk about the flu and many people compare this to the flu, the flu is something, number one, we can vaccinate. Number two, it has been around for many, many years. So we kind of know how it behaves. Uh, we have treatment for the flu. You know, like there are antiviral medications which have been known to be helpful. And the flu spreads out over a whole winter. So all these cases, yes, when there's 30,000 patients, they say that are dying, quote unquote, from the flu. That happens over a prolonged time and, mm -hmm. and it doesn't overwhelm the hospital. And the next question that I also got um, from a couple of the sports kids relating to the season of uh, lacrosse. And many yes. kids consider lacrosse to be, you know, one of those sports that you're not constantly touching people. You're usually mm -hmm. six feet apart. And you're only like throwing the ball back and forth. What, like, what is your opinion on um, sports and that type of stuff? Should they be played if they're still six feet apart? No, they shouldn't be played. And the reason for that is because, um, you know, like, I mean, they don't even play baseball and other professional sports. And um, you look at ba uh, basketball, the NBA, how it sort of started to infect players who fought each other on different teams or mm -hmm. played each other on different teams. The idea is, you know, like right now, I mean, you can't, when you, you try to have the entire population to isolate, or at least in different states, you don't exactly want to say, oh, it's okay. It's not okay for somebody to go to work to a factory, even if it works 10 feet apart from somebody else. But the kids get so bored at home that they want to play lacrosse and you let them go out and mingle up, you know, like and mingle. So mm -hmm. the idea is everybody needs to stay in. You know, like sports, as important as it is, everybody can go out on their own or with their family to take walks. People can go jogging. But to meet your friends or your team to prepare for the season or something like that and to be on a field together, sweat and exchange, you know, that kind Very of would forward. be just, mm -hmm. it would also... Next, um, 
What is the maximum time that you guys have seen so far that COVID-19 can live on different types of surfaces? Well, we can't really tell. I can only tell you what I read, you know, like, because we don't conduct any studies in a medical practice, you know, mm-hmm. like, but, but they say that it sticks more to, to hard surfaces, you know, like to plastic or metal, things like that. Also to cardboard, from what I read, cardboard, they think maybe a day, a day and a half, hard surfaces. Initially, they said up to 10 days, like on airplane seats and things like that. I think realistically, maybe on hard surfaces, like last I read for four days, tops. Also, I'm sure the amount of virus you would find on a surface is significantly lower after a short time, but that doesn't mean it's not still contagious, you know. All it takes is one virus to enter your body. And, but it is certainly has been found to be somewhat effective by being very diligent cleaning surfaces and obviously not touching things and stuff like that. Okay. If someone thinks um, they have symptoms or, you know, they just have a dry cough or they're more severe <laughs> symptoms, at what level do you think someone should go get tested? Well, ideally, everybody who has symptoms should be tested and mm-hmm. everybody who has exposure should be tested. And everybody who came from a certain country should be tested. But the reality is that we obviously, as you probably have heard and read, that we have far not enough supplies to get patients tested. So the way it is right now in new report in Massachusetts is that patients only get tested, number one, if they have symptoms and they are medical personnel, doctors, nurses, respiratory therapists, anybody who has exposure to patients. And they are actually staying home quarantined until their test comes back negative and then they're good to go again. And the other person who needs to be tested is obviously the person who might need to be admitted to the hospital. So in other words, if somebody says it started with a cold, a sore throat, a cough, and now I'm real short of breath and I can barely catch my breath and I'm having 100, 203 fever, that's the person we need to test. But we also probably have to admit that person then. In other words, if I have a patient like that, I'll get the stage set that they can be safely accepted at the hospital people in like body protective gear masks will welcome them will accept them get x-rays done examine them get some tests done test them and also most likely due to their condition admit them but that's the only people for sure that need to be tested or that can be tested right now um, many more should be tested and i'm sure will be tested mm-hmm. moving forward when we have more test kits but right now that's the two main groups that get tested so if you called me right now and said, I have a cough and cold, and even if you were exposed to COVID, but if you don't have worse symptoms, we would tell you, assume you might have COVID, but you got to isolate yourself for at least 14 days, take touch base with your doctor on a regular basis, and then we'll go from there. Okay, but we unfortunately can't test you. Okay. And in okay? T- yes, in terms of a vaccine, do you guys have any idea about when even if there could be one? one Well, they run trials already for vaccines, and there's all these rumors Israel already has one in the waiting and so forth. The reality is that most experts say that it takes at least 12, if not 18 months to get a vaccine. And we have viral infections where we haven't been able to find a vaccine at all, period. You know, like in other words, it depends a little bit on the characteristics of a virus. How much does a virus shed? You know, how much does change? And like a virus can shift or drift the way it looks. And that's why vaccines, for instance, the flu, the flu vaccine, 
it doesn't do you any good, the one from 2019 for the predicted flu for 2020. You know, like a virus can change and modify itself. On the other hand, there are viruses that are very stable, like measles. You get your measles vaccine once and it's good for life because that's not a virus that tends to change much. So that's why this is obviously so hard to predict because this is such a normal virus. We don't really know why that virus is going to behave moving forward. So, and the vaccine obviously needs to be safe. You know, like a near vaccine needs to be safe in terms of that patients tolerate it and don't die from the side effects. Or number two, obviously that it's effective because that's the two most, most important criteria. So in other words, for this season, for this spring or anytime soon over the summer, a vaccine is probably not something we can expect realistically. By fall, most likely not. Sure. How does COVID-19 affect our pets? And can our pets get the virus? Can they be carriers? Well, I'm not a vet, but I obviously <laughs> I heard and read about it. It is not felt that it is pathological for, for animals. Mm -hmm. In other words, there have not been any reported cases. There's anecdotal cases from cats or dogs, but not that they got sick. The way they can carry it is they can carry it like a cardboard on their surface. In other words, maybe on their fur. If you have, if you sneeze or cough or put anything with contaminated hands and you touch your pet, in theory, that pet obviously could possibly give this to somebody else. But it is not felt that it causes disease for, for, for animals at this point, okay. from what they know. Um, they say when patients are sick, they should try to stay away from the pets just for simple reasons or not to spread this on the pet and the pet could give it to somebody else. What can we do to help people who have anxiety and depression? Because I'm sure for many people who are get anxious and that type of stuff, this is challenging for them. Mm -hmm. Sure. I think support, you know, like even calling people. Obviously, you don't want to visit people, but if you know people who have anxiety and depression or feel isolated, that could be an old lady, that could be a friend of yours, go to school with her. So communicate with them, mm -hmm. be helpful. You know, like if you have, if you know somebody who, you know, like who you know lives by an old 70-year-old lady who lives in the neighborhood, who lives by herself, maybe reach out to her, call her, see if she needs anything. Um, see if your family, when you guys do the shopping, maybe can drop some things off for her. You know, like the, the idea is we try to keep those kind of patients, the risky patients at home, and avoid them from having to go to the supermarket themselves. Mm -hmm. So help them to hook up online shopping, you know, like that they can have it delivered. And again, same with your friends. It doesn't have to be old people. You know, like just anybody you feel like struggles, be there for them, support them. You know, that's all you can do, really. What is the message that you have to our youth in the community and how people can just help overall? I think you guys got to, not, not just you guys, not you guys in particular, but there, if you see the pictures from spring break, you know, have you seen those from Florida? Yeah. And there are some kids that were interviewed and I know they didn't mean what they said in a way, but it seemed pretty, you know, like it seemed pretty irresponsible, some of the behaviors you have seen. Mm-hmm. You know, like there were like 10,000s of people, kids, even to this, even until this weekend, unless they were forced off the beach, literally, you're like sort of acting like if this is not real or if they could, even if they got it, they don't seem to care or they don't know oh, that thought process. Oh, I'm not going to die from this. I just have a mild illness. The idea is be aware that you can carry this like everybody else and you can be as contagious as anybody else. And just be really good about taking this serious. You know, like right now, the quarantine uh, or the isolation right now, 
make sure you don't secretly hook up with your friends because you could really give this and spread this to another family you know like and and again everybody is in this together you know like and the least you guys can do is like you can try to be as good as everybody else so you don't have to be better than everybody else because everybody has to be good but you just have to be make sure that you guys are as responsible with this in terms of trying to prevent the spread than everybody else you know and i mean think about i had to, i talked to a patient yesterday who was 96 years old who who was 18 years old in 1942 when Pearl Harbor happened mm -hmm. and he had to he was pretty much he volunteered and if he didn't he didn't have a choice to go to the army and he ended up finding himself in a b-17 flying over germany and it ended up getting shedding shut and then getting uh, shut down shot down and was the only survivor pretty much on his plane coming out in a parachute and think about the sacrifices that generation has done back then versus just being told all you need to do is stay home and sit on the cold couch and then there's always netflix and other things mm -hmm. and like so in other words in our lifetime in yours as much as mine like mm -hmm. this is probably the biggest challenge and uh it is i mean when have you ever seen that what's happening right now with the economy the threat to it uh when have you ever seen professional sports teams not playing the life really coming to a standstill it's 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 historic so we really have to make sure that we do the best we can the better we do if you sit right now here in front of the phone like i do or your computer or your laptop mm -hmm. you definitely don't get COVID 19. every time you leave your house there's a risk you take, you know, like, and so the idea then is be very well aware that as good as you are right now, you will not give it to somebody and you will not receive it. And worst thing is you're going to be stuck home for four, six weeks or longer. God knows, hopefully not longer than that. And then we'll mm -hmm. all try to pick up the, pick up ourselves up and rebuild and be fine. And life goes on, you know, like, and when we'll be prepared again for the fall or whenever, whatever happens over the summer, we don't mm -hmm. know yet. But that's all I can tell you and your friends. You know, like take this very, very serious, and make sure that you're not the one who gives it to somebody else who can see serious trouble with this. Thank you so much, Doctor Fake. To all of those in the community, I hope this informational podcast was helpful for you in any way, shape, or form. Please stay healthy, keep a positive attitude, and keep busy. That is all for today, from my life in a nutshell.